The United Methodist People podcast, episode number nine, The Bishops Speak, as we talk with Bishop Sally Dick of the Chicago area of the United Methodist Church. Hello, this is Bishop David Bard from the Michigan area. You are connecting with the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, doing all the good we can. attractive to me about the United Methodist Church is that it's a big tent. You know, so you can have Jeff Sessions and Hillary Clinton in the same church. Welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The United Methodist People podcast helps clergy and church leaders connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from the people making a difference in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad. Hello, good people, and welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. So glad you have chosen to join me today as we continue to do whatever we can to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church in order to be a means to achieve our goal, our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we do that through conversation and commentary. And if you love the United Methodist Church as I do, I'm a local church pastor, been in ministry for 35 years, an elder in the Indiana Conference. If you love the church like I do and you know that we have some challenging times before us, you know that we need to be in good, healthy conversation about ways we can move forward in faith. We talk a lot in our church these days about a way forward, and part of that process is be finding common areas that we can work together. One of the ways we are looking to work together in our church is to have conversations with the bishops of our church, and that's what this episode number nine is all about. We'll be talking in a few minutes with Bishop Sally Dick from the Chicago area, the Northern Illinois Conference, and she'll be having some things to share with us uh, about what's going on in the church in Northern Illinois, Chicago area, her thoughts on the church as a whole, her thoughts on how we are accomplishing our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, and her comments about the way forward. We do want you to know if you want to learn more about what we're doing here on the United Methodist People podcast, you can go over to our website, unitedmethodistpodcast.com. We have a gift for you there. It's a presentation called The Methodist Way. It can be helpful to your life and your preaching and your teaching and in your uh, in your ministry in one form or another. It's there for you, a free gift for you to have. And we certainly would appreciate it if you could spread the good news about the United Methodist People podcast to folks in your network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you give us a rating of five stars, that would be wonderful. And a review of a few lines in iTunes, that's certainly helpful to help other people find us. And if you can share the news about our podcast to folks in your network, in your church or your ministry circles or people on your on your Facebook page or Twitter account and other places, LinkedIn and so on, that uh, can be helpful. Learn more about what we're doing at unitedmethodistpodcast.com, where it is our mission to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church and through conversation and commentary. Our guest today is Bishop Sally Dick from the Chicago area. Bishop Dick grew up 
in the state of Washington and found herself attracted to ministry through a connection with a chaplain, a woman chaplain through a, a hospital ministry that she was involved with. And then she found herself matriculating over to Boston for both Boston University for both college and seminary and then ended up in ministry in the Cleveland area of Ohio for a number of years where she served in local churches and as a district superintendent and then was elected bishop in the year 2004, assigned to the Minnesota Annual Conference for a period of eight years, and then moving over to Northern Illinois Annual Conference in 2012. She says that she's been in this I-90 corridor, which goes across the country, pretty much much of her ministry, and she has been involved with many aspects of the church. And she believes that the purpose of the annual conference is to equip and serve the local church. So when the purpose is fulfilled, it accomplishes its vision of making and supporting vital Christians in vital congregations that engage with their communities and the world and the world for peace and justice and mercy. In responding to that, she believes the inward focus in the church is the greatest threat to the local church, and she works diligently to help grow churches as they engage in their communities and they bring joys to the cities and towns in the context that they find themselves in. She also serves on the Board of Church and Society in our United Methodist Church, and the Central Committee of the World Council of Churches, and a number of other things in the life of the church. We had a great conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it as we talk about her faith journey, her response to the question of how are we doing on making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, and also her take and her understanding of where our church is at in these uh, these crucial days on the way forward. Enjoy this conversation that we had with Bishop Sally Dick from the Chicago area of the United Methodist Church as we get into this interview right now. Bishop Sally Dick is a bishop in the United Methodist Church. She grew up in the state of Washington, found herself going to Boston University for both college and seminary, and then was in ministry for about 25 years in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Elected to the Episcopacy as Bishop in 2004, she served Minnesota Annual Conference for a number of years in 2012. Since 2012, has been assigned to the Northern Illinois Annual Conference. There's a lot more to her story, but we are looking forward to talking today with Bishop Sally Dick. Bishop, welcome to the United Methodist People podcast. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Wonderful. Great to hear a bit of your story there, Bishop, but I'd be interested in hearing your faith story, how you came to faith in Christ in the first place and how you ended up in ministry and and then eventually as a bishop. Uh, Well, I was born and raised in a Mennonite family and a Mennonite community. And so I'm sure the first Sunday um, after I was born, I was taken to church and have pretty much been in the church ever since. So I was somebody who was really shaped by um, a faith community uh, that, you know, not only taught me the stories of Jesus, but helped me to find a path in terms of mission and outreach. Um, And, you know, and so many things about that Mennonite tradition have been really important to me. Um, And when I went to... um, to school, actually, I went to another college closer to where I grew up um, in Spokane, and um, there was a woman chaplain there, and she's a fairly well-known person. She was a pres- she's a Presbyterian 
uh, uh, Presbyterian minister, um, Sharon Parks is her name. And uh, she was the chaplain there and sort of, uh, as I always say, she was my calling made flesh because I had no idea that a woman could be a pastor. And once I sort of figured out that she really was, I, didn't, I don't think I got it right away. Um, it really did become, uh, you know, something that was calling me. Um, eventually, I went to Boston University and finished my undergrad there and um, uh, began to pursue uh, the idea of going into ministry. The Mennonite Church at that point certainly wasn't very open uh, to uh, women clergy. And uh, United Methodism was certainly, you know, I'm sort of a born-again United Methodist. I chose right. it. There you go. You didn't grow up in it. You made a conscious decision to become UMC. Great. That's right. So how did, so you matriculated through uh, college and seminary and found a, a leading towards ministry. How did ministry end up for you, leading you to uh, Ohio and the various churches and, and uh, ministries that you serve there? My husband, um, Reverend Ken Ehrman, um, he was from the Ohio area, and um, we met in seminary, and uh, so we connected with East, the East Ohio Annual Conference. We, we served in the Cleveland area uh, for about 25 years. I was a district superintendent just a little south of Cleveland, but that was uh, really kind of our area of ministry. And then in 2004, I was elected to the Episcopacy. And um, as you mentioned before, I was sent, uh, assigned to Minnesota, where I spent eight wonderful years. I liked living in Minnesota a lot. I liked uh, serving the church there. And then in 2012, I was assigned here to the Northern Illinois Annual Conference, which has also been a wonderful thing. I live here in the city. And um, my office is in the city, um, but I certainly uh, go to all the churches. There's rural churches and suburban churches, as well as uh, urban churches uh, here in the Northern Illinois Annual Conference. With the big city of Chicago and just a diversity of all kinds of things in the Northern Illinois Conference. And what would you say are some of the, uh, What's going on in the Northern Illinois Conference these days that where a ministry is really happening, where something good is happening for the kingdom? Give us just a highlight of something happening in Northern Illinois these days. Well, uh, we, we have a, a number of things that I think are our strengths. Sometimes they can present challenges. Um, one is that about a quarter of our appointments are cross-racial, cross-cultural. I always say all of our appointments are cross-cultural because, you know, there's always some way in which, um, you know, we're not from there. And, um, uh, and so we really work hard at trying to help clergy and local churches understand what it means to have cultural competence. It's essential for ministry um, because the people that we serve, you know, one of the cross-cultural dynamics that we experience uh, is that they're not, you know, their language is not the language of Christianity. Their culture is not necessarily the the culture of the church. And so we need to really be able to bridge that. So if we can bridge it between different ethnic groups, um, hopefully we learn some skills to be able to do it with different other cultural groups. We also have a number of new church starts. Um, 
we've started more than we have presently going, but um, that, uh, you know, we, uh, we have some strong ones and it's not easy to start uh, new churches, new faith communities, particularly in this area where I think culturally, again, it's less than the last Christian. People don't just automatically go to church. They're often even very suspicious of church. Um, so, you know, we have um, a number of new church starts and some of them are immigrant communities um, with uh, lay missioners, particularly in the Hispanic uh, uh, communities. Uh, Chicago has the third largest Mexican population in the world, right outside of Mexico and Los Angeles. It's Chicago. Chicago, wow. Yep. Well, I certainly appreciate what you shared about uh, church planting. I'm a church planter. I have a history of church planting myself and uh, no. uh just how challenged and how just a different, just a really a different animal that is. And, but it is, as you mentioned, the whole mid area of cross-cultural, meaning dealing with a non-church culture is the huge issue, one of the huge issues facing all Christianity for that matter, but certainly our United Methodist Church. And we have said in our United Methodist Church that it is our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world and that includes those uh, folks that are different than us, whether it be ethnically or language or non-churched. I'd just like to get your take on how we are, how we're doing on uh, accomplishing our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for transformation of the world. Give me your assessment, kind of both in the broad picture of the UMC and there, particularly in uh, Northern Illinois. Okay, let me let me start with Northern Illinois. I've already said a little bit, but. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a challenge uh, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, and even to understand what that means to you know grow as disciples ourselves, and to understand how being a disciple may be a little bit different than being a member, um, and that um, you know in a culture that's more and more secular, um, I I think it's important to understand that it's not just, you know, these clergy who are doing this or, you know, this particular church that just isn't able to grow as fast as we like. It's not all their fault. It's really in this environment or this climate in which we find ourselves that makes it a real uphill battle. Um, I personally feel that it's important for us to stress the mission of the United Methodist Church but I, I do feel like one of the things, it's an unintended consequence maybe, is that we've, um, we've really made churches and clergy feel really guilty mm. or shamed about, you that, know, it's not working. That is an awesome point. That it really is because so much of, I'm a local church pastor and, you know, you try everything, you do everything and you yeah. a, lot of things, a lot of things you're doing things right, you know. And it's just not happening. Right. Uh, so uh, I, I appreciate you recognizing that in terms of how challenging the times are. But having said that, how about a, uh, a specific story where something may be really effective or working in Northern Illinois, sure. maybe a particular church or plant or something like that? Um, you know, uh, we have Urban Village Church, which many people have heard about. Uh, started here maybe about eight years ago. It's in four sites at this point. 
And um, it really is uh, a congregation that reaches out to a lot of millennialists, although there are other, you know, a little bit older folks who attend. And uh, they don't own property after all these years. Um, And quite frankly, uh, they haven't chartered um, because of uh, they're open to all all people. And I do mean all. Yes. And so that's been kind of a struggle for them. So it's just kind of been their way of, you know, walking with the United Methodist Church or certainly United Methodist. But um, they haven't chartered in that regard. And and, you know, the millennialist uh, population is very transient. They come and they go in our city. Um, and so, you know, you're just always uh, having to work at evangelism, um, which I think they do. We also, I, I also just want to say, you know, a couple of our Hispanic congregations, uh, La Luz, who uh, chartered a few years ago, for instance, worships, um, you know, well over 100. And, um, you know, it's a congregation. It's probably a little bit more uh, Pentecostal than some of our other uh, churches, but um, it's uh, been able to continue to slowly grow as well and to develop disciples. We have New Church Starts also um, in the suburbs. Uh, And I think one of the other things that we've been able to do that I think has been effective, and while it's not a New Church Start, it's beginning to help churches understand that they can have different configurations so that we can maintain ministry presence in various places. So several churches, we have one, I wish we'd had more, several churches in a rural area came together to be sort of, they don't call it a cooperative. I don't even, I don't think we have a word for it. Um, They sort of resist a word for it, but you know, so that one pastor kind of has different things at the different communities Um, And it can provide a presence in each of these communities. What will happen in the future? I don't know. But for the time being, it's an effective way to provide ministry. And also we have another configuration is uh, one of our large churches in suburb. Uh, The clergy of that church and several other smaller churches, small town churches surrounding they work together as um, somewhat of a team and planning worship and preaching. And uh, they have like staff meetings to kind of talk about some of the things that are going on. I think that particularly with younger clergy, um, but increasingly with all clergy, you know, the one clergy in the one station church is very lonely. Yes. And isolated. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's strength in being able to work with these other clergy. Um, People tell me, you know, you have to have a little ego strength to be able to because, you know, are you feeling competitive? But that's not the way it is, particularly with this this setting of ministry. And I think it strengthens the ministry in the larger suburban church. And I think it strengthens the ministry in the other uh, three churches that are involved. We just have to find new ways. And I think those are as important with our existing churches as as equally important with new faith communities. Well, you mentioned several things, different models, different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a different day and age. Right. You mentioned about how the, uh, the Urban Village Church may or may not charter, for instance, because of their various issues that they are uh, 
the way they look at things in terms of the church. So that has and who says, they are and who they are, but also that also is just different than our understanding of United Methodism for many of us from kind of a, you know, more of an Orthodox uh, approach. But that's what we need, I believe, is all these different configurations and manifestations of the church to reach out people in our communities. So given that talk there, or given that issue there about different configurations and different ways that the church is, you know, our church as a whole is facing a very Mm -hmm. uh, dramatic time of perhaps reconfiguration, something different, of course. we It's been termed as a way forward. And I know that you've had some thoughts about this as well, and you've talked, among other things, about convergence and divergence in the church. And uh, I would just like to get your understanding, uh, Bishop, about where we at on this process of a way forward. I know there's been, you know, a, a commission working on this and there's been a report to the council of bishops and so on. Bring us up to speed a little bit on what your take is and where we stand right now on a way forward and particularly dealing with these very, uh, these issues of human sexuality and other things that just rise to the top here. Right. Well, I, you know, I think, um, you use the words convergence and divergence. Um, you know, convergence means we we all have the same concern or the same question, and we all kind of have the same answer, so much so that we don't always talk about it. It's just assumed. Um, I don't have to ask anybody what their name is because I know everybody's name, you know, that kind of thing. I live in a small town. I live in a small church. That's convergence. But increasingly, we're in a divergent culture and a very divergent church. And divergent means we all have the same concerns or questions, but we have lots of different answers or possible solutions or opinions. Uh, And that's where we find ourselves, particularly around the issue of human sexuality. I think what everybody wants, however, is that we not continue uh, to make this the lens through which we see everything in the United Methodist Church. This, this has gotten out of control. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that's always been attractive to me about the United Methodist Church is that it's a big tent. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can have uh, Jeff Sessions and Hillary Clinton yes. in the same church. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes. And... You know, you can have people who have some pretty traditional views and other people who have some pretty progressive views in the same under the big tent. Local churches aren't like McDonald's where everything is standardized. Um, You know, and I guess the thing about fast food is you know what you're going to get whenever you go into a particular restaurant. You don't always know what you're going to get when you go into a United Methodist Church. This yeah. is true. And that, yet, there are, yet there are some beautiful. folks who want to kind of force the issue, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, who want to force us to have the McDonald's when we want to have a chicken or something. I, I'm taking off in a bad analogy here. But, but to say more about that, about how we speak to those who are not as big tent minded as you're talking about. I, I think the value is still the big tent. And that we keep in kind of a, a t- the real word of tension where things are held together under tension. Because I grow if you're a little bit more this than I am. And you grow because I'm a little bit more of that than you are. So if we want to hold in balance even personal and social holiness, 
you know, we can't just be in a church where everybody's into social holiness and there's no personal holiness or vice versa, me and Jesus, um, you know, with no outreach. So we hold each other in tension that way. I always use the analogy that, you know, Corel wear, Corning wear, it's held together in tension. Unfortunately, you don't just break a, a Corning wear plate in half. It shatters as a result. And I think, you know, that that probably is my fear that nobody wins in battling this out against each other. But some people, uh, some churches, depending on how this go, may decide that that they can't be in a big tent with somebody who doesn't believe the same way they do or act the same way they do. And I hope that we're able to find a way forward that allows for the majority of United Methodists to be able to live together in uh, a much more peaceable way. I think local churches by and large have worked out this whole thing with human sexuality. And, um, you know, I just remember when I became a district superintendent in uh, a very conservative area of East Ohio, you know, the pastors started preaching against homosexuality. And I thought, I thought they were all going to, when I heard about it, I thought they were going to be on board, but they came pouring into my office because they said, he can't talk about that. So-and-so's kid is, is gay or whatever. You know, they've learned, they've learned a bigger tent of being together over the years. Real life and happens sometimes. Uh, that real su life super, supersedes, you know, uh, ideolo ideology sometimes. Exactly. And I think that we are better together. How are some ways you are uh, approaching this in Northern Illinois? You mentioned a lot of local churches seem to work it out, but are you doing anything to help sort this out or when conflicts come or conversations happening? Uh, what's going on in the church there regarding uh, speaking to a way forward? So we've tried to keep people up to date about it. We've had conversations at all of the church conferences last fall, of, like this is what's happening. These are some of the current concerns. This is what the special general conference is. One of my big fears was, especially maybe a year and a half or so ago, was that people in some of these churches wake up, read the newspaper and go, what? I didn't know this was happening. Because people do kind of, you know, if things are going relatively well in their local church, they don't always pay attention to anything bigger. I get that. But I didn't want that to happen. So sure. we had some conversations. And we had conversations about what does it mean to be united in our mission rather than our agreement on one thing. Because you know what? We disagree on a whole lot of things. Sure. Well, you can use this as a major distraction to take us away from what we talked about earlier, you know, the making disciples, which is mm -hmm. ultimately what we're about to, uh, to accomplish our mission. So how do you just, I'm just curious now, I know no one can predict the future, but I'm just curious how you'd think things are going to shake out after general conference, just how you just, just your opinion, how you think things are going to go. You know, I, you know, I teach about what the three plans are as best I can. And now they'll, I guess there'll be more legislation that we'll have to look at, but you know, in the end, uh, two things, one, I just tell people, we don't know what it's going to look like, but this is kind of where we are going in. Mm -hmm. And two, I just get, uh, there, there are exceptions on both ends 
uh, if you will, very traditional and very progressive, but by and large, the bulk of United Methodists, in my estimation, they want to be together. They want to just like, okay, let's uh, be the church and stop, you know, fighting about this and just live under the big tent. They may not use that language. I heard one person just term that middle group, the radical middle, something that in terms of, you know, that's the people who want to maintain some form of, of unity moving forward and mm -hmm. keep the main thing, the main thing. So we get, you know, we won't know exactly what happens, but it is a, it is definitely a defining moment for our church moving forward. And it is. Yeah. But I did want to ask you, you know, we've talked about some challenging things here, but if you're going to just talk about just a sign of hope for our church, or it's particularly think in terms of some encouraging word you might give to a young clergy or a young church member, one of those millennials you've yeah. talked about, either members of some of those churches or a millennial pastor. What are some signs of, of hope for the church moving forward? Well, you know, I think because of these challenges, we have never paid as much attention to the why of what we are doing and the why of who we are. And you could call that the mission of the church. Forty years ago, when I started ministry, we didn't sit down and think about the mission of the church. I mean, we go like, what do you want to do? How do we want to pay for it? And that's part of our drift, too, I think. But people, uh, I think, are much more focused on what it means to be the church and why we and, and actually, you know, uh, the mission statement doesn't even say why we make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I think we have to keep helping people understand that. Do we make disciples because we love people and we love God? Is uh, it because this is the way in which we are faithful? But I think that just focusing on this is, is in fact um, a course correction, if you will, that does make the church stronger in the places that are really trying to keep focused on the main thing, as you called it, or the why of big of why church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's encouraging. Yeah, that's a that's a good. Uh, that is hopeful. That is hopeful. It is in this time of introspection is at least causing us to a time of extreme self examination, uh -huh. and that and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. That's a good thing. Well, Bishop uh, Bishop Dick, just one more question, a little bit of a personal nature. I just want to know what. When you're not uh, involved with uh, church work or something along that line, what do you do for fun? What do you do for to that's just refreshing and renewing for you? Well, um, normally I would answer that what I do for fun is I'm an avid runner, but I recently broke a bone in my foot. So I'm grounded for a few weeks, but I'll be back at it. Running, being outside, um, reading. I read with my eyes. I read with my ears. I, I, uh, uh, living in the city, I spend a lot of time walking to the grocery store, walking to work, uh, riding the train here, riding the bus there. So I read a lot of books um, on through my ears. And uh, and so probably running and reading are two of my favorite things to do when I'm not working on a regular basis. Well, that's, uh, that's great. Running and reading, that's awesome. Well, I just want to say just from my perspective as an elder in the church, just thank you for your service to the United Methodist Church and the Episcopacy. And I know these are challenging times and just uh, wish you well and know that the, the church lifts up our bishops as we go through this time. And we thank you, Bishop Bishop Dick, for serving us in the church and for being a guest on the United Methodist People podcast. 
Well, my friend, I think uh, I think we heard a, really some great things there from Bishop Dick about the church and some hopeful things and some challenging things about the church. I know that uh, I got a lot out of this. It was great to hear her story about her movement in ministry, about how she found her call to ministry and and how she was influenced in her early ministry by a woman chaplain and then moved into ministry here in the United Methodist Church and has served in many capacities, found her home there in Ohio and serving churches and district as a district superintendent and so on, then moved into the area of the Episcopacy in Minnesota and now in northern Illinois, Chicago area, and involved intimately with the life of the church there. You heard her share about some of the things and the interesting life of uh, ministry in the Chicago area, particularly about the cross-cultural type of experiences and opportunities there, the urban village church she mentioned, and how reaching millennials takes on many different forms, and that property and chartering are not quite as important to to folks uh, in that in these uh, inventive ways of doing church, so important for the church to serve transient populations and to be collaborative in nature. I also hope that you heard just a few takeaway points from what she shared about the two key questions we asked her about our accomplishment of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world world and our way forward. I would just take away from our conversation with Bishop, with Bishop Dick that this whole conversation we had about the tension between convergence and divergence and that we need to find some ways to understand we need to move forward. We cannot be content to move forward with the way things have always been, that that's just not going to work. But at the same time, she talked about how our church, the United Methodist Church, one of its strengths is that it is a big tent that we are not standardized. We're not like a McDonald's where everything is just the same. We have a lot of different divergent points of view within us. We're a church where we can have such really interesting uh, personalities such as Jeff Sessions and Hillary Clinton who worship in the same denomination, the same church. So she sees that there's value in this big tent and that in this big tent there is going to be tension and that tension can be a point of growing and moving forward and stretching each other, but it cannot go to the point where it's going to break and shatter. She used the analogy of corningware, which if it if it breaks, it shatters into a million pieces. That we have to move forward, she says, with personal holiness and also social holiness. We need both. And that for some folks in our church, as we reach some some defi- defining moments, may choose that they can't live in the big tent, move, move forward, but we can learn about how we can move forward in peace regardless. And she said that's something I thought was very interesting, how many times local churches have figured out uh, what to do and how to live together. They have dealt with matters of human sexuality within their own congregations, for instance, and have living that day to day. And so she wants us to understand and learn about what it means to be united in our mission and agreeing on the things that we can agree on and understand that there are some things we are always going to disagree on. She believes that the bulk of United Methodist people want to be together and that they want to see the church to move forward and stop fighting about the things that we are fighting about and to move forward and be united in the things that we can be united in about. And in that process, uh, Bishop Dick sees that there are signs of hope in that we are paying more attention to our why. I thought that was very important. And if we pay important to the why, that is our mission of making disciples for the transformation of the world, then we can do course corrections that can be important things to do moving forward. And 
it's she's hopeful that that's the way we can move forward in the church. So I learned a lot from my conversation with Bishop, with Bishop Dick, and I hope that you did. Hope that you did too, because what we're about here on the United Methodist People podcast is having great conversations. It's our goal over the next several months to talk to every United Methodist bishop in the United Methodist Church in the United States and perhaps abroad, and to get their take on understanding of these two uh, these two key matters of the church. How are we accomplishing our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world? And what is their understanding of the way forward? Where How are we going to shape things out in our church? And how are we going to move forward to be effective in ministry? That's what we're about here. And hope that you'll join us and be, get connected to what we're about. You can always get connected to what we're about at our website, unitedmethodistpodcast.com. You go over there to the our website. You can leave us a comment there, or you can get connected by getting a uh, our free download, which is a presentation called the the Methodist Way. It's a it's a PowerPoint presentation you can use in your ministry. Hope that you'll take advantage of that. It certainly would be a privilege and a pleasure if you would go over and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and to uh, leave us a rating there. A rating of five stars would be great, but whatever you think is appropriate. And then a review. That's the type of thing that helps people find us. And we feel like we've got something to share because it is our mission to strengthen the connection through conversation and commentary. But it does no good unless the word gets out. So we invite you to share about the United Methodist People podcast in your network, on your Facebook pages, in your denominational settings, in your local church, wherever it is. So if you think people care about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church, this is the place to go for conversation and commentary. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. I'm a local church pastor in the state of Indiana. I love the church, and I know you do too, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And I ask you to be, keep praying for our bishops like Bishop Dick and all the other bishops in the church and all the other leaders of the Commission of the Way Forward as we move forward towards February of 2019, the General Conference, when decisions will be made there. And let us hopefully, let us be praying that our church can be a, a beacon and means about how we can even work through conflict in a Christian manner, through Christian conferencing in the, in the legacy of John Wesley, how we can move forward and be an example how we can move through conflict and come out to resolution where all parties can be heard and served and move forward in faith and hope and with uh, that God can continue to work through the people called the United Methodists. We're here to serve. We're here to serve the world around us as we follow the direction of our, of our founder, John Wesley, who is known for saying, and I just implore you to understand and believe the words of John Wesley when he said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. This is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller with the United Methodist People podcast. Do all the good you can. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast. And always do all the good you can.